0: This is FutureCast 101. This is FutureCast 101. Hello, this is Brady Klopaki for FutureCast 101, a student project of the College of St. Benedict and St. John's University. Today's topic will be power production in 2050. Oh, hello there. You must be my guest. Come on in. I got some wood in the fireplace just for this occasion. How do you like my humble hobo? Yes, who am I kidding? It's more like a mansion. I sincerely apologize. Here, please take a seat. What was it that we're going to discuss? Oh yeah, The Matters of Power Production in 2050 for the USA. Here, before we start, any music preferences? Ah, it doesn't matter. Only classical jazz will do for intellectuals like us. As you know, my friend, we need energy for copious amounts of activities and things. Like microwaves for those mandrels who eat ramen in pizza pockets. Totally egregious. Those microwaves consume lots of power. I bet they don't even know how energy measurements work, or how they work by the multiplicative thousands. For instance, I bet they don't know that 1000 milliwatts equals 1 watt, or how 1000 watts equals 1 kilowatt, or how 1000 kilowatts equals 1 megawatt. I bet that they don't even know the order of these, starting at the smallest reasonable one for our intellectual conversation. Um, we will talk about the milliwatt, then the watt, then the kilowatt, then the megawatt, then the gigawatts, and finally the terawatts. They are so important, and I bet they can't even comprehend the importance of these measurements to the understanding of US power production. Like how an average person's home uses 14,881 kilowatt hours a year. I scoff at thee. <laughs> enough rambling now we shall discuss what will produce that power in 2050 first, if you like it will be important for us to discuss the current power producers and how the US power market operates the main power producers of today are fossil fuels which are your largest market shareholders nuclear energy biomass, hydropower, geothermal, and renewables. Now these power producers are very undeniably different from one another. Because in the US market, the only thing these bulls care about is profit. Suppose those barbarians are in business after all, and they cannot make money as easily as smart people such as you and I. Now, what decides if said power production method is profitable? Is related to these terms: one, a uh, regulation. Prices are governed by a regulatory or government body. Two, the price volatility, determined by supply and demand. It describes how quickly or widely price changes can occur. Electricity rates, which is the cost of to like, produce the power, natural gas rates, the price in which gas is traded for in the market, changes in supply and demand will impact this greatly, and electricity generation, the method in which energy is produced, depending on the method, the electricity rates may be affected, and finally delivery how the energy is transferred from one place to another. Example would be gas and pipelines. The power production method will interact differently with these terms. For instance, solar panels are supported by the government and given subsidies. This is an example of positive regulation. Another example is price volatility, which is closely tied to the barbaric fossil fuels. Depending on how readily oil is found will determine the price. With this, the price of energy will likely mirror the cost to collect the coral oil. Of course, this is awfully simplified. Different methods are better at different activities. For instance, gasoline created from petroleum is more likely to be used in cars than nuclear energy. This is redundant, I'm sure you already knew that. However, this might change due to the increasing popularity of electric cars, but I will expand on this later. Now, I will delve deeper into the strengths of each power production method. I suppose this is why you came to me anyways, for my superior-educated opinion. Starting off with the most used uh, energy production method in the US, of course according to the EIA, aka the Energy Information Administration, the only decent government body in the USA. Roughly 70% of all energy produced comes from fossil fuels. You see, only the last couple dozen decades has this been seen as a negative thing. So it turns out, us burning the black stuff in the ground has come around and heated up the situation. Ah, I'm so (laughs) punny. Yeah, so we have been causing climate change, and because of this, the very strong guiding hand in the market has been leading us away from fossil fuels. Now, on the slightly less political side of things, fossil fuels have a definite advantage in the field, explaining their pesky dominance in the American scene. First you have oil, which is churned into gas and other fuels, such as jet fuel, or even some lubricants. Then you have natural gas, which is primarily used for heating and cooking. Why do we use these? Because it is readily available and cheap. The business from this has allowed entire countries to base their economies on it. Take Venezuela, for example. The current dip in price in the price of oil has sent them to dig. A big hole for their country to fit into. Also, a plant that burns fossil fuels is a lot cheaper than a nuclear facility and can be located nearer to a city than a solar farm can be. Also it works anywhere, from Siberia to the Sahara Desert. Next is renewable sources such as biomass, solar, wind, and ocean. First up is biomass Because it is quite simple. The only widely adopted version of biomass has been something we've been using for entire centuries. And that is just burning wood. Heating our house via wood. That is the majority of biomass. Of course you got ethanol based, but they're on the way out anyways. They don't really hold much of a stake in the future. So, it biomass isn't very notable, so I don't want to waste our valuable time on it. Solar, on the other hand, is a lot more hype in it. Thanks to fellows like Elon Musk, smart man, reminds me of myself. Solar is promising, with it using the sun's power, which is near infinite. Also, advances in recent history has made it financially more reasonable for less economically comfortable folk, like you and me. The problem with solar is that the sun is only out half the time. Also, some places are less optimal for solar panels. For instance, the Canucks up north won't get as much use out of their brand new or spiffy solar panel as a southern gentleman from Arizona. Let us not forget about wind energy. Those massive white mills in the middle of nowhere, in fact, it's a perfect place for them. In states like Iowa, which only become relevant every four years when there is an election, they take up a good bit of space, but they are useful in areas with consistent amounts of wind. Making them similar to solar, they should be optimized where they can be. Next is a new challenger, as the kids would say it. Ocean energy is essentially the method of using the ocean to develop power through turbines connected to buoys. This makes it useful in coastal area. The same strategy applies here as with wind and solar. Next up, I would like to discuss if there is a home for geothermal hydropower and nuclear energy in the future. First I will do geothermal energy. Geothermal energy has similar challenges to solar, wind, and ocean energy. Where it can be applied reasonably, it should be. However, due to geother- how geothermal produces its energy, the only reasonable areas we can produce energy from it would be the tectonically active areas of the West Coast and Hawaii. Hydropower is very similar on that attribute, as they would say. However, the big problem with hydropower is that we've already used all the good spots for dams, so I won't waste any more time on hydropower. Nuclear energy is in a weird spot. Recent events hint that nuclear doesn't have a large role in the future. Nuclear facilities are expensive to build and to upkeep, hence why the United States bailed on the plan to build two nuclear reactors. However, They aren't bad for the environment if you ignore the radioactive waste being produced by it. Of course, this could all flip on its head if we were to discover fusion energy, in which we won't need anything else. But that is unlikely, so again, I won't waste my valuable breath. With all this being said, my friend, I suppose it is time for me to state my conclusion. What do I think will happen? What will be producing our power in 2050? It will likely be a mixture of different sources. Geothermal will be used where it can be, as will hydropower. Renewable energy sources like solar, winds, and ocean will become more widely adopted. They will produce the majority of our energy, but during their down hours, which is nighttime for solar and non-windy days for wind power, Fossil fuels and nuclear energy will produce the energy we need. This will significantly reduce CO2 emissions, making it less likely that Florida will be underwater in the next half century. My orange farm, gone. Unthinkable. Anyways, the the portfolio will look somewhat like this. Roughly 80% renewable sources, the rest being nuclear or fossil fuels. Alas, my rooftop pool is calling my name, and so is the caviar in the kitchen. Thank you for stopping by and joining in this intellectually stimulating conversation. Choose. This has been Brady Klopaki with Futurecast 101. Thanks for listening. This is Futurecast 101. This is Futurecast 101.